Welcome to the CBIA BizCast. I'm your host, Ali Warshavsky, and today on our BizCast, we are joined by Jeff Flax, President and CEO of Hartford Healthcare, and a very timely podcast is when this is going to be released. It will be almost two years to the day of when COVID-19 was found in Connecticut and probably changed Jeff's life and everyone's life in Connecticut for that matter forever. But certainly Jeff, since of course you are the CEO of a huge healthcare organization, Jeff, we're going to dive into that. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, you know, there are a lot of new and exciting things going on at Hartford Healthcare uh, that we want to get into. But first, we have to talk about the last two years. I cannot imagine being in your position, and I know you've had a long-standing history with Hartford Healthcare. You've been there since 2004 was when you started, but I'm assuming nothing in those years could have prepared you for what happened in March of 2020. Ali, it really was unimaginable and truly unprecedented uh, to, to find ourselves with a worldwide pandemic and really in the Northeast in particular, uh, in March of 2020, uh, there were so many unknowns, so many uncertainties, uh, but what it showed is the bravery and the essentiality uh, and the courage of people working in healthcare. I mean, when everyone in our community was being told, stay home, be safe, quarantine, don't leave the home, our people in healthcare were running in to our facilities putting themselves in, in some level of risk and jeopardy with so much uncertainty. Uh, and it really was the, the seeing the very best, the very best in all of our people. And, and uh, I, I just have been so inspired and I still am today. It's absolutely been incredible to, uh, to be part of. I know, and, and fingers crossed we're on the other side of things. Um, I hate saying that because you never know what could happen, but what did you learn during the height of the pandemic when it probably seemed like your phone never stopped ringing and you couldn't get a minute of sleep? You know, What are some things you took away that you think could help you in the next 10 years of your career? The learnings have absolutely been immense. Uh, they, they truly have been. You know, I've said, Allie, throughout this crisis, really from the very beginning, from the onset, you know, uh, in healthcare, we don't want to go back to normal. We have to be better than normal. And our being better than normal is ensuring that everything that we have learned around infection control, around supply chain management, uh, the things that we've learned around different training and the ways we operate the organization, uh, the ways we connect with our community, the issues around health equity, uh, which have been incredibly important. Uh, we have mandates for change. Uh, so these learnings to me are, are deeply important and it's what has already made healthcare better today, uh, but we have to continue to get better. Now I look at examples, Ali, like the federal government ha had a, a, you know, an emergency supply in place for oil, uh, but didn't have one in place, uh, certainly an adequate one in place uh, for, for uh, personal protective equipment. You know, these types of things are going to help us be better, get better. Uh, and we have to because, uh, you know, our risk uh, and our vulnerabilities for pandemics uh, continue. Uh, and we have to ensure that we continue to invest in our facilities and ensure that in here in Connecticut that we have world class health care. So, you know, to the extent that this happens or something like it happens again, we're going to be here uh, and we're going to support our community. Do you think you saw a large change from obviously in 2020 when it first hit and there was that single variant to Omicron? Um, do you think 
you guys were better equipped then and had the PPE um, stockpiled already and, and it made a difference in the way you were able to handle the latest surge because we did have positivity rates as high as the beginning of the pandemic, but it seemed to be a little less panic going on around the state. Oh, unquestionably. Uh, you know, first of all, when you think about PPE, it looks like, to me, it demonstrated the ingenuity uh, the, the innovativeness that needed to, to occur. You know, we became a, a manufacturer. We started sourcing raw materials around the, around the world, shipping them to different manufacturers and started making our own PPE. Uh, and we never imagined doing that. You know, also the notion of making sure that a significant portions of our PPE is now made domestically um, so that we would have less risk, you know, to it being diverted. Uh, you know, the, 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 the learnings, again, have been so impactful on our organization. Uh, but to your point, you know, just think for a moment, Ali, about the vaccines themselves. To be made in nine months, to have, uh, you know, 90 plus percent efficacy, uh, that is analogous to this country putting a person on the moon. It truly is. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the reason I think we find ourselves better today to manage through this uh, is because of the vaccines, because of the new treatments that have been invented, because of the new medications that have been created, uh, because of the new ways that we're able to care for people, protect people, uh, and because of the, the ways we've restructured the way health systems operate. So uh, I think it really is a moment of recognition and celebration. And, and Ali, I have to say this because we're in Connecticut. We should be so proud. You know, Connecticut stood so tall, so strong. You know, our, our governor had done an exceptional job. People came together from every community, the business community, and Connecticut has been at the very top of the performance across the country for any way that any metric you would look at around COVID-19. And I think it's a reflection of our resources, our culture, the alignment, uh, and, the no and the notion that no one had a self-interest here, right? It was just about the community. So I, I've never been more proud of my native state, my, you know, Connecticut. And for two years, uh, and you know, we've been on the defense really, and and just trying to keep up and survive. But now we're finally at a point where Hartford Healthcare can focus again on innovation. So want to pivot to what you're doing now. You announced the kickoff of this year's Hartford-based MedTech Accelerator. What is that for us in the business organizations that don't deal with healthcare? We've had a MedTech Accelerator that we started several years ago. Uh, and it's important. It's, it's a mechanism for us to invest in startups uh, and to use Hartford Healthcare as a sandbox. So to allow people to come in, leverage our talents, our, our, our people, uh, our resources, uh, and our culture to allow these startups uh, to gain footings and to use some of our seed money. And it's one way we give back to the community because we're looking to stimulate new companies being formed strengthening the economic health and vitality of the region, creating new jobs for people within the region, uh, and taking advantage of, of you know, an organization like ours that has so much to give, marrying our resources with entrepreneurs and people who are looking to solve the very complex problems in healthcare and to together you know, strengthening the state of Connecticut and, and creating more prosperity for all. So. Uh, it's very purposeful. We invest in MedTech Accelerator. We have partnerships with the Israeli Economic Development Council, where we uh, um, help bring Israeli companies who need domicile uh, support here in, our, in the United States to, to get a start here in Connecticut. 
we, we have a whole series of, of, of uh, partnerships with the local universities uh, and colleges, but all kind of under the premise of healthcare needs to get better. There has to be continuously disrupted. And if we can partner with private equity, if we can partner with emerging companies who need some startup funding, ultimately we want Connecticut to be a hub and a hub of helping solve the, the healthcare problems, but also strengthening our economic base at the same time. So these uh, these med tech or the med tech accelerator, all these entrepreneurs somewhat focused on medicine. Absolutely, Ali. Healthcare today uh, and, and historically, and we we say this all the time. It's my it's 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 really the what drives us at Hartford Healthcare, right? It, it, it's not accessible enough. It's too expensive. It's not equitable, uh, and it's not at the level of excellence it needs. So we have to disrupt ourselves. We have to do things differently. We have to challenge the conventional. Uh, we have to leverage new technologies, new ways to do things. We have to learn from other, other industries. Uh, and this notion of funding entrepreneurs, of bringing people in who have objectivity, who have curiosity, who have ambition to you know, come into an organization, we'll be totally transparent. We invite them in, we problem solve together. Uh, and these companies are going to make a difference, uh, and then many of them are going to become job creators and are going to ultimately uh, continue to, to help Connecticut reinvent itself. Uh, and we can use Hartford Healthcare to do that. And my ambition is to make Hartford Healthcare somewhat of an open shop uh, and to put some of our resources into these companies because what's, what's good for solving healthcare in this case can be good for Connecticut uh, and ultimately good for us. We, Ali, one example with MIT, we have a, we have a company we're, we're starting together with uh, faculty from MIT, uh, and it's, it's really around creating efficiencies within our operating rooms and uh, efficiencies within our emergency departments to, create, to make healthcare more affordable. And I love the fact they chose not to stay in Massachusetts, and they chose to build this company in Connecticut. And when I asked them why, they said, because our organization is less bureaucratic, more aligned with them culturally. Uh, we have uh, talent and depth uh, in people who are, who, who are philosophically aligned around changing healthcare, transforming healthcare. Uh, in this company, I'm hopeful it's gonna become a global company, and, but it's gonna start here in Connecticut and many of the benefits will accrue to us here locally. We would certainly love to see that. And, and because of the pandemic, we do have so many open office buildings that might not be replaced with the sales or marketing teams, but certainly space now for more medicine and technology companies to come in there. And one of the last questions I was gonna ask you, but you really just touched on it with MIT and um, with this MedTech Accelerator and the entrepreneurs, but the importance of public-private partnerships and access to affordable health care. These partnerships, that is what makes the access and the affordability um, for some of these treatments uh, possible, correct? Uh, even with something like the YMCA or community center, that's something that Hartford HealthCare is involved with. Partnerships are critical. Uh, first of all, to address the incredibly important issues in health equity. Uh, it won't be solved by us alone or others alone. Uh, we have to combine and align our interests and our efforts. And we've created something called Hartford Healthcare Neighborhood Health. We've done 25,000 uh, encounters, you know, and, and we're, we're, we're in churches, we're setting up pop-up shops and communities. Uh, we, we are working with uh, elected officials and other community organizers to together bring our resources with people who are trusted and embedded in communities. And every day we go out a half a dozen times plus 
to, to, to bring care to where people are. You know, Allie, we can't expect people to come to where we are. We have to meet people where they are, ensure nobody's left behind and no community is left behind. Uh, but I also want to make one final point. You know, this, this is about doing things differently. So, you know, we had to create a neighborhood health, neighborhood health uh, division because we recognized we're not going to solve health equity. Uh, and we learned invaluable lessons by doing it the same way. But today we're announcing, uh, we're bringing a new company to Connecticut. Their name is One Medical. Uh, there'll be an announcement today. Uh, a public company born out of the Silicon Valley where they're still headquartered. Uh, it's a new way to deliver primary care through a subscription model. This has got to be the type of innovation we need. This has to be the way we, we address things. We have to become something different. We have to do things differently. If we're going to fail, let's fail fast and keep moving forward. Uh, but we, we, we need to recognize that we need disruption and transformation because healthcare has to become more accessible, more affordable, more equitable. And ultimately, we have to raise the levels of excellence. But to do that, we have to try lots of different things. And we have to move away from the traditional hospital-based model and become a community-based model. And that's why we have 430 locations today, because you know we've had to become something different and we have to keep evolving. So we're really grateful for the support of the community and uh, fundamentally that's who we are. We're Connecticut led, Connecticut bred, and uh, that, that's who we are. And speaking of Connecticut, uh, you just announced recently a partnership with Quinnipiac University in Hamden, my alma mater, so love talking about it. Um, but to create a pipeline of healthcare workers in Connecticut, something that CBIA has been focusing on this legislative session and, be, and before it, is this lack of talent um, to fill the over 100,000 jobs that are available. And as our surveys have showed, and you know, a lot of those job openings are in healthcare. Um, the world's just changed so much in two years. So with this partnership, what do you hope to do? Um, and, you know, what is the need like for healthcare workers right now? Is it still extremely high like it was in the beginning of the coronavirus? It is. Uh, I have to tell you, first of all, Quinnipiac is a kindred spirit. Okay, that's a university we're blessed to have in Connecticut. Tremendous leadership by President Judy Hullian. Uh, it's an organization, an institution that doesn't only ask why, but why not? And they're progressive. They're willing to take risk. They're disruptors in their own right, trying to figure out new and better ways to, to uh, educate people and increase our pipeline. Uh, so we found an organization that was like-minded. Quinnipiac is willing to really change the way uh, education occurs. Uh, we are standing shoulder to shoulder. Uh, really important. To, I want Connecticut to become a net importer. You know, today we export too many of the people that we educate who leave our state. If we do this right, and we're going to start hiring all the Quinnipiac health sciences students, nursing, physicians, uh, communications, law, business, but who have interest in healthcare, we're going to hire them as sophomores, juniors, have them do internships, get experiential learning within our facilities, offer them guaranteed employment upon graduation. We're going to have our team serve as faculty in their classrooms. They're going to be training on our campuses and our simulation laboratories. Uh, we have figured out so many different levels to create connectivity and connections uh, that we're going to ensure that more and more people who are educated in Connecticut stay in Connecticut. And we have to increase the pipeline. And the Governor's Workforce uh, Council, which I serve on, is absolutely essential. Uh, I applaud the Governor for the investments he's making in workforce. Uh, and we're going to work and partner with all the colleges and universities across the state. I mean, we have 33,000 colleagues with Hartford Healthcare. Um, we have a lot to help the state. 
grow and we can use our resources to support these colleges and universities differently than has ever been done before. And that's what the premise of Quinnipiac is. So I could not be more excited about what's going to happen in the future with that partnership. Yeah. And just keeping those students here um, once they graduate would be amazing and help the economy so much. You know, a lot of uh, the debate has been going on throughout the pandemic is the certification process for some roles in healthcare. Has that improved at all? Or, or do we still have a long way to go to make it a little bit easier for those moving um, from out of state to get right to work in healthcare? It's improving. And the Department of Public Health has shown great agility, great respect for the circumstances during the pandemic, but it needs to get better. This is another example where we've learned a lot. We've got to challenge the conventional. You know, just because it's always been that way doesn't mean we should be doing it that way in the future. Um, and we, we are adjusting. Uh, but that's one of the nice things about the progressiveness of Quinnipiac. They're asking the right questions and they're trying to figure out new and different and better ways. And the medical school alone at Quinnipiac, you know, has such a growth orientation. Uh, there's, there's wonderful opportunities, but we, we do have to think differently often. And we, it's a must. We're not going to have enough people working in healthcare in five and 10 years if we don't adjust now. The time to do it isn't when the problem occurs. It's when you anticipate the problem to be. Uh, and that's this moment. And that's why I'm happy. Uh, you know, we, we invested $5 million at Quinnipiac. We've invested uh, significantly in University of Hartford and their uh, new center, their nursing building. We invested significantly in Sacred Heart. Uh, we're partnering with Trinity College, Connecticut College, uh, St. Joseph's University. So the, 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 the strength of the academic infrastructure in Connecticut is amazing. We should be celebrating it and we should be partnering with it much more than we have historically. And I know the job market's changed since I was a senior, but to walk out of school with a job, I mean, how great would that be? Or even knowing you had it your junior year, I just, um, def definitely a different situation when I graduated, but it, it would be awesome to know my child can do that right away and start paying down that college debt. But um, if with the well, the shortage of workers, we've been talking about in a lot of industry, manufacturing, um, restaurants, healthcare, how are you guys surviving? And, and you know, you said you're thinking differently, but have you had to pivot in terms of doing different types of shifts for workers? You know, how have you made adjustments to get through this uh, unprecedented time where everyone needs a day off, but they can't take one? It's very challenging. Uh, at the same time, my gratitude to everyone who works in healthcare, it's never been more. I mean, first of all, any one of us knows when we are experiencing a, you know, a life's moment in healthcare, and you look at the people who are caring for you and taking care of you, the gratitude that we have for people when we're in our most vulnerable moment, it, it's, it's never more real. But now I think it's even more clear to everyone within our communities uh, that people who work in healthcare, they're heroic, they truly are. They provide such critical and essential services to us uh, so, you know, the, we have to continue to find more ways to work differently, to support our workforce, to recruit and retain people working in healthcare, make it more attractive, make it easier. You know, I started a task force in our organization, which is about the easy button. And we're looking top down everything we do. How do we make people's lives, the 33,000 people who work here, easier? You know, what do they do that they shouldn't have to do? What are they doing that we can stop or suspend for a period of time? And what aren't we doing that we should be doing? Uh, and we're coming out with great things, you know, to make people's lives easier, better, 
Uh, and that's what we have to do. We have to recognize uh, the, the criticality of people working in healthcare and how do we support them differently and better. It's a, it's a real moment for us to, to look in the mirror uh, and to try to get better. Yeah, certainly a challenging job since it can't really be remote work and um, all hours of the night people need health care. So I applaud anyone who works in healthcare. I certainly couldn't do it. And and we did touch on this, but I want to bring it back up is the affordability of health care. You mentioned it yourself. It's just not affordable. You break your arm and it costs five thousand dollars. I learned, you know, with insurance. Um, you did mention a partner, private public partnerships helping. But what other ways can the state and work to reduce the cost of health care? Well, we've been rebuilding our health system for more than a decade with one purpose, and it's to, to make healthcare more affordable and at the same level, higher higher levels of quality. So we have to create uh, uh, new substitutions for care. So as an example, uh, when you think about emergency departments, traditionally, significant amount of care that was in the emergency department didn't need to be there. Well, we can move it now at one-tenth of the cost to our network of urgent care centers that we've built across the state of Connecticut. And I believe we have 28 urgent care centers today. They do about 500,000 patient visits. Those would have occurred in emergency departments. We've moved significant amounts of our imaging. We do very little imaging in the hospital. We never do, a, very rarely, rarely do a colonoscopy in the hospital. It's done in community-based endoscopy centers. We do so much of our work now in the home. You know, we're doing 610,000 home care visits within Hartford Healthcare. So if we can move the care from the, to the home and, someone, and it's only in a skilled nursing facility, nursing home when it has to be, we can move it out of the emergency department so it's only there when it truly must be. If much of our surgeries can be done in community settings that are not a, you know, hospital-based, that we can do you know, much more affordably with higher levels of consistency, this is the way that we deliver the right care at the right location, ultimately, at the right price. And that reduces the cost of healthcare. So we actually have to make more centers to make healthcare less expensive in many instances. And over time, then, we have to refine the hospitals, that they really become critical care centers for when people need that highest level of care. So, you know, we have to reinvent the healthcare systems and to do it, you have to, you have to break it to rebuild it. And we're building partnerships with Go Health, our urgent care partner came out of the Silicon Valley. One medical who we're announcing today can, comes out of the Silicon Valley for our new primary care subscription-based model. Uh, you know, we have many different examples of these emerging partnerships that are completely new ways to do things. And that's how we're gonna do it. So I. I, I would tell you our system is built and in, in, in centered around reinventing healthcare, and at the, at the very center of it is to try to make it more affordable, and at the same time ensure that critical care during the pandemic, that we have every capability and that we have world-class services for cancer, for heart attack care, for trauma, that Lifestar helicopters keep flying, that we're, you know, last year we did 183 organ transplantations, right? We have to continue to do that, and at the same time, for significant amount of chronic and routine care that we figure out much better ways to do it more affordably. Have you seen routine care pick up now that things have calmed down? It really needs to. One of the uh, important lessons in the, the first wave of the pandemic was there were too many people dying at home. The statistics were overwhelming. There were way too many people delaying care, which was, you know, if we get the people too late, sometimes, you know, the, the uh, implications of that can be uh, very tragic. Uh, so we're urging people to get health screenings, mammographies, PSA tests for, pro, you know, for, for prostate health, 
uh, you know, a whole series of blood screenings, wellness visits, physicals, uh, when someone's feeling certain, you know, chest pain, uh, stroke symptoms to come to emergency departments. Uh, so we are seeing it pick up. It needs to pick up uh, in the, you know, post as, as we get to kind of this late phase within this pandemic, uh, we're going to have an entire campaign around public health and around ways that we can reconnect and that's partially why neighborhood health is important because again, some people who may not be comfortable yet coming into facilities, and they really should be, I assure you, we're gonna meet you where you are. And that's why we, we created neighborhood health. And uh, my last question is you brought up one bed in this announcement today, this subscription-based service, is this a telehealth uh, type of service? What is it? Yeah, uh, with telehealth that has uh, 24 by seven virtual healthcare. Uh, and it's one of the important again, learnings, you know, we, we used to do, about 400 telehealth visits a month prior, you know, the February before the pandemic started, we got up to, to the 80 to 90,000 visit per month level. Wow. So just to give you an appreciation where we thought maybe that it didn't work, couldn't work. Uh, now we have found that it's invaluable. It takes people maybe who would have had to travel to get the care sometimes or couldn't do it because of when they work. It extends our hours of service. It extends our reach, you know, for subspecialty services. Uh, and it allows us to touch more people and, and connect with people and things like behavioral health. It's invaluable. Some people are uncomfortable being in person. So it's been very important for behavioral. Uh, but one medical is, is built on an entire uh, primary care premise of, of kind of marrying the virtual health component uh, with, with also physical offices uh, in a, in a uh, certain uh, commitments that are made around guaranteeing access to care. So it's an emerging model for primary care. Uh, it doesn't replace what we do for primary care today, but it will complement it. Uh, and it's an innovation and we're going to learn from it and it's going to help us get better. Well, that's great. It seems like there is uh, so much that you guys are just beginning and I look forward to catching up with you and probably just six months to hear about more, but I, I love the term of, you know, either figuring out and failing now than waiting too late to fail. I, I think that's an interesting and, and probably very smart way to live and figure out uh, the next steps for Hartford Healthcare and, and hopefully for just healthcare in general in Connecticut, making it even better place to live. Allie, we're, 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 we're so proud. I mean, we just received just for Hartford Hospital in the last few weeks uh, that we were uh, one of the top 72 academic teaching tertiary medical centers in America. Uh, and we're very proud because we happen to be the only one listed in Connecticut. It was an enormous moment of pride for so many of my colleagues in our system, but that's what Connecticut deserves, world-class healthcare. And we're looking to be a model health system for the country, uh, but we and the other great health systems around the country are, are all working to, to try to become something different. Uh, because we, we, we have to recognize there's great needs for change around access, affordability, equity. Uh, and I, I'm really proud in Connecticut that not only our health system, but the other health systems across Connecticut uh, have stood together, aligned during the pandemic, shown our great strength. And healthcare is a great strength in Connecticut. It really is. And while neighboring states more recently were on emergency diversion and so forth, Connecticut was actively receiving patients from the states all around us. And you know, it's something for us to realize this is a place for people where they want to raise families, live, work, ultimately retire, because they should be confident that we have world-class health care. And uh, all the health systems in Connecticut are working together to be the best we can be. And it's, it's an important thing. And uh, it's part of the fabric of this community. 
I agree. I um, have lived all over for work purposes. And I remember one situation being like, I wish I lived close to good healthcare. And it's just something you take for granted. But when you live in this area, you don't have to worry about flying somewhere to see a, a specialist. Um, and I think a lot of us take it for granted. And the data supports that. If you look at our heart and vascular care. You know, we're in the top 4% in the country for survivability for heart and vascular care, morbidity, mortality, resurgerization, readmission, uh, to know that, right? There's, there's no reason to get on an airplane and go anywhere else in the country. The, the greatest of experts, the highest level of care is right here, you know, in Connecticut and across Connecticut. And that, that's what we have to keep endeavoring to do. And that's what the people who live here should expect of us. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing all this with us. And again, we'll have to catch up soon because there's just so much going on. I'm sure that there'll be even more partnerships for you to tell us about. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen and subscribe to our BizCast on Apple, YouTube, SoundCloud. And of course, you can view more episodes at CBIA.com.